wonderful music today. Great blessing. And a great blessing to be here in the house of the Lord. Amen. consider that this message today is for you. Preparing to preach is, um, is, is um, I don't know what to describe it other than the sometimes mysterious. In my, to me, I'm sure that most preachers don't have this. They probably plan weeks ahead what they're going to say it, what they're going to do, what they're going to preach, and I uh, try to do that as well as I can myself. Sometimes I find myself having something ready that I think is ready, and then as I'm finalizing it, it just kind of morphs and changes and takes a different shape and different form and a different emphasis. And that's what happened to me this week. I kept on being asked for our publications, do you have the title to your message? And I had my message, but I didn't think I had the title to it. I never did come up with the title. I decided on the title just this morning. Because I couldn't decide what to call it. It just kept changing. I just I had one particular scriptural event. I intended to make the main illustration of my message, and it turned out that this, that, that has become my main message for this morning. So I'm saying all of that to tell you that uh, that uh, God knows who's going to be here. Every time, of course, he knows weeks ahead, months ahead, for that matter. But uh, God knows not only who's going to be here, God knows what every person here needs. He knows what you need. He knows what you came needing, whether you came to receive it or not. God knows what you need. He knows exactly what to provide in your life to bring you victory. You're ready, willing, and willing to receive it. I believe today that this is a message for you. It may be a message for every single person here, but it is certainly a message for some of you directly from the Lord. Sometimes even if something isn't directed to us and planned for us by the Lord, it can still be beneficial and helpful and lift us up. But there are oftentimes, too, when God puts us right in the place to hear exactly what we need to hear. And I hope this morning that you will listen as though this message is for you. You decide, well, I listened to something. It's not really for me after all. Pass it on to somebody else and tell somebody else about it, and that'll be all right, too. So here it is, your altar. The Bible speaks a lot about altars. I believe it also tells us that every one of us has an altar. There's an Old Testament altar, there's a New Testament altar. As I begin to preach on the cross leading up to Easter, I'll say some things about that New Testament, New Covenant altar that Paul spoke so vividly about and that Hebrews promises to us. But you have an altar that God has called you to. 
a place of dedication, a place of sanctification, a place of surrender, a place of sacrifice, a place of giving up to God for whatever He wants to do in your life. You may avail yourself of that altar, you may not, but it is there for you. And there is an altar for every person. There's the same altar for every person to come to. And then there is an altar that God calls you to. That God calls you to lay everything down upon that place. That God speaks to you about. That he won't speak to anybody else the same way that he speaks to you. About issues that revolve around you. And about matters that deeply concern you. The important thing is that God has a message for every one of our hearts. And he wants to speak it to us. And he wants us to hear it, understand it, receive it. And when we do, be blessed by it. I'm going to read to you two scriptures this morning. The first one is from the book of Genesis, chapter 22. I'm going to start reading at verse 1. Genesis chapter 22. This is the English Standard Version, which you're familiar with because I use it predominantly. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He, God said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering, and arose, and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. It's a mysterious and challenging thing to realize that God spoke to Abraham about sacrificing his own son. God called Isaac Abraham's only son in this passage. And he was the only son of the promise, but he was not only the, he was not the only son that Abraham had physically produced. Ishmael had been born to Abraham and a handmaiden of Sarah, his wife, Hagar, 13 to 14 years before this. And yet God said Isaac was his only son because Isaac was the son of the promise that God had promised to Sarah and Abraham years before and for whom they had to wait a long, long time. And now God is speaking to Abraham and he's telling him to take that boy, that son of the promise, his only son in that he was the only son of the promise, the only son that God had promised him. The son through whom God had said, I will produce many heirs and your 
progeny shall be like the stars of the heaven and the sand of the seashore. Many, many will come and fill this land as a result of the birth of this boy. He is the son of the promise. And now God comes and says to Abraham, in spite of all that I've promised you about this boy, in spite of his miraculous birth, conceived when Abraham was 99 years old, in spite of all of this, I want you to take this boy and sacrifice him to me. I want you to understand that this was a different economy, even as a test today. And this was a test of Abraham's faith, as a test of faith that God would never say anything like this to anybody today. Go out and sacrifice your son or sacrifice another person. I just want to make that clear because sometimes I think that there are people who, well, sometimes I just think there are people who think things that are, that are, that are, that are not at all in conformity with the way God does things. This was a test, and it was under an old economy where the only way God communicated man, with man was by personal and direct speaking to him. It happened again and again and again in the Old Testament, especially happened up until the giving of the law. Abraham, in fact, had begun following the Lord God because of a call, a challenge to him. He was living in a heathen land. God Almighty spoke to him. Abraham heard his voice and got up and left Ur in the land of the Chaldees and journeyed as God led him and as God directed him until he brought him to the land of promise. And Abraham had gone through numbers of things. He had failed God. He had missed God's plan. But he had always turned back and come back with his heart open and pure before the Lord. And Abraham was a great example. In fact, he was the great example to all the Jews who came after him in the time of Jesus and even today. But God came and spoke to him with the greatest challenge he could have ever given him. Here's the son I promised you. He's a miracle son. I said that all of your seed would come after him. So now I'm asking you to take him up and offer him as a sacrifice on a mountain that I will show you over the area of Moriah. So Abraham took the boy and went. He took two servants with him. They loaded up their gear on a donkey. And they, they, they went about three days' journey. And when they got there, they, God said, Stop, this is the place now. I'll show you the mountain. The next day he did. And then Abraham took the boy... And, he, and after cutting the wood and preparing it to offer a sacrificial offering, and he started up the mountainside, he told the two men to wait here. And what he said to them was, in a way strange, and in a way miraculously strong, the greatest faith, no greater faith will you see in a person than the faith that Abraham expressed as he was leaving those men at the bottom of the mountain. He said to them, the boy and I will go up the mountain and worship. God had told him to offer him as a sacrifice, a burnt offering. And Abraham was on his way to obey God. But he, Abraham said as he left those two men at the bottom of the mountain, the boy and I will go up the mountain and worship, and we will come back. Abraham believed that if God permitted him to go through with that sacrifice, that he would raise Isaac up and bring him back with him. Now, how 
not be sure of that just because of that one statement that Abraham made. That plus the fact that in the book of Hebrews, you know that in Hebrews, the 11th chapter of Hebrews is the great faith chapter. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 17, this is what it says about Abraham and Abraham's faith. Chapter 11, verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested at the mountain, tested to obey God, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offering be named, your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. So, figuratively speaking, he received him back from the dead. Now, I grant you that this is primarily recorded in the Bible as a great, powerful testimony of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Abraham, Father God. Isaac, the son of the promise, Jesus. Now, offered on the cross. Risen from the dead on the third day. And this is a great type in the Old Testament, presenting that truth. But it is also reality in that Abraham and Isaac went through this. And there was no rebellion on Abraham's part. There was not even any rebellion on Isaac's part. They accepted that this is what God said. But they accepted it with faith and that that would not be the final day of Isaac. Abraham believed that if God allowed him to sacrifice him, he would raise him from the dead. And the scripture makes that abundantly clear. God did not allow him to do that. As he raised his hand to sacrifice the boy, God said, Abraham, Abraham. And an angel reached out to stay his arm. Now I know that you fear me and obey me, Abraham. Now I know that you are totally obedient to me. Take the boy and take him down the mountain. And Abraham did. But there was an altar of total commitment on Mount Moriah. There's an altar of total commitment. And you and I are often called to that altar, not understanding why God is calling us where he is, not understanding why God is telling us the things he's telling us, not understanding exactly the reason we're expected to do the things that he tells us to do. But if God is calling us to his altar, he is calling us to total obedience. He is calling us to total surrender. And when you come to the altar of God, you cannot effectively come to the altar of God. Read it from the Old Testament. Read it through the New Testament. Read it everywhere the, the altar is talked about. You cannot effectively come and receive from God at the altar that he appoints for you until you're ready to make the sacrifice. 
the sacrifice is the essential part of the altar. And it is, in fact, the sacrifice that makes it the altar. It is not the altar without the sacrifice. You can come to this altar, representative of all the altars of the Scripture. Come to this altar. There's nothing supernatural about this altar. It's wood, it's stone, it's, it, it, it's upholstery. But it is a place of meeting God. What makes this a true altar when you come is that you come with the sacrifice that God has called you to make. You come giving up. You come surrendering. You come giving yourself to God. And if you don't do that, this is not an altar. It's a furniture piece. It's a piece of this structure. But it becomes a true altar when you come to this place with a sacrifice on your heart that you're going to make because God has called you into that sacrifice. You don't do that and you miss the power of the altar. You miss the effect of the scriptures. You miss what's intended to be there. Abraham said, I will obey God no matter what the cost. I will obey God. Seems pretty simple if you just read about somebody else doing it. You know when it becomes complicated? When God asks you to do it. And God says, you need to do this too. I learned a long time ago in seeking God. When I ask something of God, He always asks something of me. It isn't that He's bargaining with me. It isn't that He's saying, you can buy this by doing what I'm telling you. I never have taken it that way. And I know that's not what God intends. I know what God intends is leading me into deeper surrender. So when I start talking to God about more power in my life, He starts talking to me about more purity in my life. Sometimes I don't, sometimes that I feel led to pray about something like that. I say, maybe I don't want to, maybe I don't want to go that far to ask the Lord for that much because I know when I do, there's a price to be paid. And you know it too. But I know this, I know this also, that when I come to the altar and when I come in total and complete surrender, even if I don't understand it, as Abraham surely did not understand what God was asking him to do or why he was asking him to do it. How could he understand that with a human mind, the great, magnificent, majestic kind of God? All he knew was that if he killed that boy, God was going to raise him up. That was the faith he had. And that's what he knew. He knew that God is faithful. No matter what he asks of us, God is faithful. No matter what God calls on us to do or to give, God is faithful. God will never let us down. He'll never let us walk in obedience to Him and cause us to find the wrong way and wind up at the wrong place. When we walk in obedience to God and total surrender to God, He will always bring us to the right destination. He'll always bring us to the right place. And He'll always let us see this is what His plan was. This is what His good plan was. This is what His precious plan was. All the time, His plan was to do something great, something mighty, something powerful that could not have happened if we had not obeyed Him at the altar where He placed us. If you want the blessing and the power of God, find your altar. Find your altar. And that's exactly what Paul instructed us to do. 
I'm going to give you a scripture that I've quoted to you many times before and put an emphasis on it that maybe I haven't emphasized so much before. Romans 12, 1. This is what the King James says. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves, your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy, H-O-L-Y, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, it's a little bit different in every other translation. And the significant difference in every other translation is this. I appeal to you, one version, the versions that I use, one says, I appeal to you, one says, I urge you, another says, I plead with you to present your bodies a living sacrifice because of the mercies of God, because of all the mercies that God has bestowed upon us and shown to us because of the mercies of God. I plead with you, I urge you, I appeal to you, I beseech you, present your bodies, present yourselves totally holy, acceptable to God, which is your True worship, not reasonable service. That's the weakest of all, which is your true worship, which is your true spiritual worship. That's what he was saying. So presenting yourselves to God totally and completely, wholly acceptable unto him will allow you to prove the perfect will of God, but it will also be the only way that you can worship God. Now listen carefully to me, because some of you are not going to believe this. I may have to say it three times for you to understand it or believe it. If you don't give yourself up to God and surrender to Him, you cannot totally worship God. What you and I identify as worship is on our part, not on God's part. So we think that worship is coming in here and singing a few songs and listening to the preacher. I'm not saying this isn't a good thing to do, obviously. It is. But I'm telling you that the way that you really totally draw into the presence of God and God reveals himself to you and you come to realize him who he is, I worship, worship, love, adore. Identify myself with my Father God. The way you do that is by giving yourself up to Him. Paul said, present your bodies a living sacrifice. You're not coming here to be slain on the altar. Give yourself up, not a burnt offering, a living sacrifice to live totally for Him. When you give yourself up as the living sacrifice, holy, which is acceptable to God, that is your true spiritual worship. And without that, you are not engaged in true worship that the Scripture wants you to find as a way of life and service to God. Did you hear me clearly when I said all that? I know this is a, this is a little different concept. I've shared this before, but maybe not that straightforwardly or that plainly. I want to make it very, very clear. That you're missing, you're missing the depth of worshiping God. It's not that you can't praise Him. 
Sure, you can praise God. You can walk around praising God all the time. You, know, you, you could walk around through Winn-Dixie praising God. That doesn't mean you're worshiping Him. Unless you've already made that surrender. But I am telling you that there's an altar in your life. My altar won't fit you. As yours won't fit me. But there's an altar to which God calls you. God didn't call anybody else to Abraham's altar except him. Abraham was the only one he called. Isaac was with him. And Isaac did not rebel. There's a whole message in that. I can't even start preaching. Isaac didn't rebel just as Abraham didn't rebel. But it wasn't Isaac's altar. It was Abraham's altar. It was his faith that was tested. It was his obedience that was tested. And there's an altar that God has laid out for you. I'm not talking about a physical altar. It may be that the altar God laid out for you, you'll find right here. It could very well be. You could find it right here. Or it may be when you go home and you can't rest and you're, you don't know what it is. You, you need to get alone. You need to get apart from other things. You need to kind of separate yourself. You don't want to hear other things. What is it that's going on with me? And you find yourself a place of solitude with God. Get in a place where God... God can speak to you, and you can hear God's voice. And God says to you, this is what I want you to do. And it won't be easy when God tells you what it is. It won't be easy. I'm not, I'm not talking to everybody here. Some of you, this some of you, this will go so fast over your head. All you're thinking about right now is how fast you can get Ruby Tuesdays. But, I, but I'm talking about people who want to be serious with God. I'm talking about people that want to go somewhere with God, want to get somewhere with God. People who want to get rid of things in their lives that are not pleasing to God. People who want to give up the nastiness. Who want to give up the filth. Who want to give up the disgraceful things said and done. People who want to give up those things that are of the flesh. Those things that are carnal. Those things that have nothing to do with the spiritual life. If you want to give that up, God will touch you. Set you free. Give you victory. Hallelujah. But he'll do it at your altar. He'll do it at your altar. When you come and fall down before God, bag yourself before him, God will do that at your altar. And he'll talk to you about things that won't be easy to do. I still have the Lord tell me about things that are not easy for me to do. Say, I'd say one thing. Sometimes the Lord asks me to pray for people, and I just try to pass on about it. I just push that out of my head. But it won't go. And when it won't go, it keeps coming back. And I know I've got to pray for it. You say, well, Pastor, I thought you'd like to pray for everybody. Well, let's just put it this way. I like to pray for some people more than others. I'm being honest with you. I've got a lot of people to pray for that I want to pray for. I want to pray for you. I call a lot of your names in prayer. I won't say I do it every day, but there are many of you sitting right here. I call your names in prayer. I know how much you need prayer. No, you're not the only one that does. There's people out here do too. (laughs) But I call your names in prayer. I see some of your faces right now. I've called your name in prayer this week. But I will confess to you, I don't see anybody sitting here that's hard for me to pray for. I don't see anybody sitting here. But 
come up and ask me for the names afterwards so that you can go fill them myself. And that, that's just one thing. I'm using that just as a little, maybe uh, almost insignificant illustration to let you know that God may speak to you about doing things you don't really want to. It's not your choice, but you'd rather not do it. And sometimes you're just plain out, don't want to do it. But if you make that surrender that God's calling on you to make, it'll be like a light beginning to flash. It'll be like a power beginning to settle upon you. You'll see that God is doing something in your life that you didn't even realize needed to be done, but you're so glad God's doing it. He'll cleanse you from saying the wrong things. He'll change you from talking about things you ought never be talking about. He'll take away from you the nastiness of your mind. He'll give you a victory over the stinginess and parsimony that's allowed, that you've allowed to come and take over yourself so that you don't think about anybody but yourself and only giving to that which benefits you. Why am I saying that? Anyway, God will change that if you find your place with Him at your altar. And God has an altar to which He is calling you. I know a few weeks ago God started speaking to me about something. And I said, I don't, I don't think that's the first thing that you say when God starts speaking to you about something you don't want to do. You say, I don't believe that's God. I don't believe God's telling me to do that. That's the first thing. You know how I know that's what you do? Because that's what I do. I start saying, Oh God, oh Lord, uh, that'd be nice. Lord, I know you're not asking me to do that. Next day comes back, Yeah, I was asking you to do that. And the next day he says, you know, I didn't forget it. You may try to forget it, but I'm not forgetting it. I asked you to do it. You said you wanted this for me, and now this is what I'm asking you to do. And after a while, you either give up what you want to receive from God, or you go ahead and meet him at your altar. And you give up, and you do what God has told you to do, what God is leading you. And it's not to build up yourself. It's to build up God. To build up the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. To grow and to grow stronger in Him. That's where the Lord wants you to be. And there's an altar. There's an altar God's calling you there. I'm going to give you just a couple more things I'm going to drop in real quickly here. Uh, There's a lot more to be said about Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Go ahead and read it for yourself. I highly recommend you read it for yourself. And I highly recommend that you... This I'm going to recommend another reading for you. I don't have time to preach about it. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm just going to recommend that you read these things in the Scripture. If you want to grow... If you want to grow... And I hear people talking all the time... Well, I'm just not growing... Well, friend, when you talk to pastor about that, he knows why you're not growing. It's not because you're not getting what you need. It's not because you're not getting the preaching. It's not because you're not getting the teaching that you need. It's not because you're not getting the fellowship that you need, unless you shy away from it and don't want it. It isn't that. Because, you see, every bit of spiritual growth requires your participation and your involvement, and you're following the Scriptures to accomplish that. You won't grow by flitting around from garden to garden, place to place. You will grow 
by hiding your life in this Word of God. You will grow by allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you and hearing Him and obeying Him. You will grow by planting yourself in the place God puts you and doing something for God in your life. And you will grow by finding the altar that God's calling you to. And that that altar, God does things to change your life. So I, I, I'm going to suggest that you read the Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, several times. Uh, verse 3 will shock you. I didn't get that far today. Verse 3 will shock you. Well, let me just read it to you. Let me just, let, I'll go ahead and shock you. Verse 3, Romans chapter 12. Give your body up, give yourself up, sacrifice yourself. Transform yourself by the renewing of your mind. Then the next thing he says is, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, Paul says, because he gave me this privilege and authority, I'm going to tell you the truth. I give each of you this warning, he said. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. I didn't know he said that. <laughs> you probably read over it several times. But that's not what we want to hear him say. So we don't listen very carefully to the things we don't want to hear him say. I've already told you I do that. He's not saying, he's not trying to lower your self-esteem. Lord forbid there's enough preachers out there trying to build up your self-esteem and... and uh, your recognition of yourself, you won't lack in that. He's saying don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. Don't think you're more important than you are. You are important, but important on God's terms and in God's way, not in the self-inflated way that you might present yourself to be, whether you're the boss at the job, whether you're the foreman on the crew, whether you're the teacher of the class in school or college or wherever it might be. Whatever your position is, whatever place you hold, whatever superintendency has been put in your hand, don't let that make you think that you are more important than you are, dear friend. Because if you do, you will not be able to give Christ the place of supremacy in your life that he wants. You will think you are above in your life what he wants to be in your life. I know you folks feel like I'm just dumping on you today. I just want to keep turning this way. I don't know. I don't think you need it any more than anybody out here does, just to clarify that. <laughs> Maybe I just love you more than I want to say better things to you. <laughs> so anyway, we ought not to think of ourselves beyond what God has made us to be. Be humble before the Lord. If we humble ourselves, the Bible says, what will he do? He'll exalt us. You humble yourself, he'll lift you up. That's the way to be in the kingdom of God. That's where we ought to be in the kingdom of God. And so you have an altar. And that's an old song. I, 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 I thought about it this morning, I think, or late last night, I don't remember which. And I started thinking about it, and I thought just real quickly, I'll see if I can find it. I haven't heard it in years and years and years. And the song is called, Is Your All on the Altar? Is your all on the altar. And this is what it says. You have longed for sweet peace and for faith to increase. 
and have earnestly, fervently prayed, but you cannot have rest or be perfectly blessed until all on the altar is laid. Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Your heart does the spirit control. You can only be blessed and have peace and sweet rest as you yield him your body and soul. Oh, we never can know what the Lord will bestow of the blessings for which we've prayed till our body and soul he does fully control and our all on the altar is laid. Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Your heart does a spirit control. You can only be blessed and have peace and sweet rest as you yield him your body and soul. You have an altar. You have an altar. If you find that altar with God, it's not a geographical location. You find that altar with God, wherever it may be, wherever the Lord speaks to you. Find that altar with God. Present your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God. It's your true spiritual worship to do that. And then God starts to move in a supernatural way in your life. I said moments ago I was going to give you two places to read, and I told you about Romans chapter 12. Let me tell you the other place. If you want some really practical instructions, read the book of James. If you want to read some practical instructions, you see, we need to be practical. I've talked about giving up things. I've talked about surrendering things. I've talked about turning things over to God, sacrificing things to the Lord. Read James and he'll help you with it. It's a short book. It's only five chapters, 108 verses. averages 20 verses per chapter. It's really one of the shortest books for five chapters in the Bible. It averages about 20, 20, 21 verses per chapter in the book of James. And you can read it in just a few minutes. Although I would suggest if you read it in just a few minutes, you go back and read it again and then one more time. Read the book of James. And in that, I will tell you what I believe. I believe this. I believe if you will take that book of James, and when you're looking at Hebrews, where I just read from Hebrews chapter 11 this morning, it's the very next book after Hebrews. Hebrews, then James. Just before 1st, 2nd, 3rd Peter. First, oh, first, first and second Peter, first, second, and third John, just between Hebrews and those. Right there. Little book of five chapters, 108 verses. Pick it up and read that. Read it this afternoon. Read it tonight again before you go to bed. Read it again tomorrow and see what it says to you. I read it a couple of times preparing for this. And it says some powerful things to me. I believe God's word will speak to us. And I believe God's word and God's Holy Spirit will draw us to the altar, the altar that God has prepared for us and the altar that God has made for us. He will bring you to your altar. And when he does that, you will find the presence of God there to give you the victory that your heart has been longing for. I'm telling you the way to find that victory today. It is in your surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ and letting him speak to you his perfect will for your life. Bow your heads with me, please, in prayer.